This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Good morning. Good morning. Let me get my uh, self adjusted here and uh, make sure that I'm on the same page as you are. Uh, just uh, hold on, my good friends. Let's see. There we go. Yeah. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave, the Manly Man Cave Command Center here in the Melon Law Studio. Melon Law with 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. They won't back down. And of course, protected by crime prevention, cpss.net. Well, 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 there's a lot of things going on as usual. I appreciate you all checking in. Good morning, everybody. You early to class people are so good. You'll do so much better than the ones who straggle in late. So um, you take notes from the beginning. You know how I used to do it when I was actually running a college classroom. I would uh, start, of course, promptly at the appointed time. And for the first five minutes, I would uh, discuss items. And then the following class, I would give a quiz on what I had discussed during the first five minutes. And if you were late to class, guess what? You didn't get the information and you flunked. And if flunking a few quizzes for long, you flunked the course. And how'd you flunk the course? You flunked the course by arriving late. Nothing more, nothing less, just by arriving late. So there were several things I was teaching there. Responsibility and showing up when you say you're going to and <clears throat> not coming in late and saying, did I miss anything and all that silly stuff. So uh, we are uh, going to take a moment here, I think, as we uh, check people. Hello, Robert. Hope everything's good in St. Augustine. Um, and we're going to talk about a local issue that is going to um, heat up considerably in the next couple of months. And um, there are going to be a lot of confusion because there already is a lot of confusion. So from time to time, uh, yours truly will try to set the record straight and let you know what the issues are. And I think we're going to start off here by running what WCJB ran yesterday. And this is compliments, of course, of WCJB. Um, but particularly what I want you to take a look at is the, there's the quote by uh, Minnie Mike or the thin-skinned water boy who won't let me listen to his deposition, by the way. Uh, talk about this. I want you to hear. And then I'm going to say what I think about what he says. Okay, are we ready on that uh, production? We're hearing from residents of Alachua County. Now that Governor DeSantis has signed the bill that could change how county commissioners are elected. tv 20s Jordan Markoff explains why this could bring major changes. For as long as most Alachua County residents can remember, they've always voted for all five county commissioners, but that could change. 
This November, they can vote for or against creating single-member districts. If they vote for it, residents will only be able to vote for a candidate who lives in their district. One woman who lives in East Gainesville says she thinks single-member districts would better address the issues her community faces. We need some grocery stores out here. We need more housing, everything like that. A few months ago, county commissioners went to Tallahassee to lobby against this bill, saying it's not what the people want. I anticipate and hope that most voters will go ahead and vote no and tell Tallahassee to let Alachua County govern Alachua County. Bill sponsor, State Representative Chuck Clemens, says he fought to get this on the ballot so the decision could be up to the people. Would you ever, you know, be interested in taking that kind of action for people in Dixie or Gilchrist County? Absolutely, of course I would, but not one particular soul, not one voter, not one citizen in those two counties have even raised the specter of the same type of issue. Despite county commissioners lobbying against this bill, now that it's law, they're going to have to educate the public on this ballot item without being partial. Alachua County residents can vote on this ballot item in the November 8th election. Reporting in Gainesville, Jordan Markoff, TV 20 News. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files, and uh, this is Professor Woodhog here, Ward Scott in the Manly Man Cave here. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about this because there are some things that um, I'm an expert on. I have participated for 20 years in this issue of single-member districts, having been a chair of the Rural Concerns Advisory Committee. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about why uh, now it has taken Tallahassee to get involved, to at least just let the people vote. Now, this is a classic example, what you're hearing uh, the thin-skinned water boy, Ken Cornell, say is a classic example of voter suppression. Now, you know, the Democrats, he's a Democrat, um, are the first ones to holler about voter suppression. <clears throat> let everybody vote who can make a breath on a mirror. Uh, they go into the jail and sign up hapless souls who are convicted felons who are now paying the price for the uh, enticement by the supervisor elections. And there, of course, supervisor elections are scot-free. <clears throat> so in case you're asking yourself and you're sitting around your <clears throat> group of people, chit-chatting about the various things, and this subject comes up, I want you to have a little bit of education about it. And uh, then you can sort of make your own mind up. For the first time, though, in this community, and I've been here since 1961, uh, you'll be able to actually express yourself, okay? Never before has the county commission allowed you to, to, to vote on this. Now, you can ask yourself, well, why won't they? And you can ask yourself, why won't Ken Cornell let Ward Scott watch him be deposed? Why did that pose such a threat? What, what all of a sudden brought the hounds in? You know, I suppose they've had a SWAT team that had been outside my door. You know, what is it they're trying to, to avoid? Why does the lady protest too much? Now, you know the line is from Macbeth, and uh, when, the, when the lady, as memory serves me, and when the lady doth protest too much, of course, Shakespeare is saying 
the more you protest, the more you're trying to cover up. When one is telling the truth, one only succinctly states it in very few words. In fact, the fewer the words, the more truthful the comment. <clears throat> so generally, uh, so the more you begin to ramble and explain and circuitously address, circuitously address, the more, of course, you're protesting and the issue becomes, what are you protesting? Well, let me just sort of try to help you straighten that out. First of all, the Charter Review Committee of Alachua County and every municipal government has a Charter Review Committee. The Charter is the Bible of the government. It's what sets up the government. It sets up the way in which one conducts business, whether or not there's a strong or weak mayor. All of that is in the Charter. And the Charter can be changed by a majority vote. I think maybe a supermajority vote. I have to research that. Uh, from the dais, from the dais, really. But in the name of <coughs> uh, public input, <coughs> wink, wink, every 10 years, Alachua County has a charter review where the public may come and address the charter review committee. Now, the charter review committee is made up, unfortunately, of representatives of the county commissioner's interests because they appoint the members to the Charter Review Committee. Uh, 20 years ago, <clears throat> I applied and I was the city manager of Archer then to be on the Charter Review Committee and was denied. God only knows why. You know, I didn't go around and curry favor. I didn't knock on any county commissioner's door asking them to put me on, anything like that. And I did it the way it said, do it, apply and let them look. Well, that wasn't really the way it was done. They had picked out people that really represented their point of view. And how do you know that? Well, there's a way to easily check it. Uh, in this last charter review committee, for example, uh, which met 10 years later and came up with the same response about this issue of charter single member districts, the whole thing typically, as always, was Gainesville centric. 90%, um, um, oh, at least 80, 85, I'm speaking from memory. I'm going to research this a little bit more if I write about it. But um, of the people on the Charter Review Committee were from Gainesville. Okay. Now, what are the demographics of Gainesville politically? They are liberal Democrat in the city of Gainesville. And why? Because of the influence of the university. <clears throat> so the university professors are notoriously liberal. So even the law school is liberal. There's only one Republican, I know his name, uh, who's on the University of Florida Law School faculty. Can you imagine that? So there's no real diversity and inclusion <clears throat> when it comes to that type of political inclusiveness, because they're not interested in anything but power, and that is party politics power. So there were mostly, predominantly, overwhelmingly, people on the Charter Review Committee that would not allow 
a majority took was a majority vote. <clears throat> I think it's seven to six. I have to go back and research that number. Um, to put the issue on the ballot for the people to vote on. Now, they'll tell you, oh, well, you have other ways to do this. You could go out and get a petition together and you could put the ballot on with grassroots petition. <clears throat> the problem with grassroots petition is that it's expensive. It takes a long time to gather these petitions. You have to sit and have a school for the people to know what they're signing for. They don't, the American public is not, doesn't know its governmental system at all. And then of course on that, that language has to be validated to go on the ballot. You have to hire an attorney to do that. It takes probably a citizen initiative, we researched this, over $100,000 to, as citizens, circumvent the Charter Review Commission and put it on with a citizen's uh, initiative. So where are you going to get $100,000 to do what the Charter Review Committee or even the county commissioners themselves could do for nothing? <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and you know, where are you going to get that kind of money? Well, it's possible, but, you know, it's really time-consuming and unnecessary. And it's not the highest and best use of your money. So repeatedly, either the commissioners or the Charter Review Commission, appointed by the commissioners, has turned down the opportunity for the people to simply vote. The people may vote down single-member districts. Nobody knows because they've never been able to vote on it. So that's stage one of this you need to understand. So when Cornell says, and he's lying through his teeth, that the Tallahassee will run your community, the exact opposite is true. And he, well, I think the guy has got a modicum a sincillium of sense, but you know, he's very devious. And so think about it. All Tallahassee has done, and it's the only reason we've it's done is because Chuck Clemens was petitioned to do the work of the county commission and have the governor sign a bill that Chuck Clemens created to let the people do what the county commission should have let the people do a long time ago. So when Cornell says Tallahassee's running your local government, it is a lie. It is a huge, bald-faced lie, okay? What it's doing is actually giving the people of Alachua County a chance to change the way their government responds to them. Are you with me so far? And if you're not, I'll look at the chat here and you may, uh, I, 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 I suggest that you, if you, you're gonna get into these discussions as the months come. So this is, your, this is your tutorial today in Professor Warthog's classroom. So I've just covered one phase of this with you. Are you following me, students? Why did 
Clemens have to write a bill and DeSantis sign it in order to do nothing more than do the work of what the county commission should have done already. Because there's been a lot of requests for 20, 30 years for a different government model, at least the opportunity to decide at the local grassroots level about what kind of government model you want. Now, I've been on charter review committees. I was on the charter review committee for five years for the city of Alachua. We met once, but we could have been called into action through different political maneuvers if we had been necessary. So I've been on these review committees and I understand how they work. And I've been a city manager and I've been a candidate and I've been a political manager. I, you know, I don't know how I got sucked into it. That's a whole nother issue because all I am is a, a professor of critical thinking. That's all I am. And I'm trying my best to do the best for that. So here we are with um, the issue now before the people. Now, what is the issue? Let me give you an example. And I'm going to start off with a category called bitter memories. One of the profoundly bitter memories here is Plum Creek. Plum Creek was voted down by Alachua County Commission, even though it was taking, basically being created in and around Hawthorne on the east side of the county. And basically, it was voted down for environmental concerns, not business concerns. I'll say arguably because LP people will argue about that. But I'm never wrong. You know that. Come on and debate me about it. And I think I'll win that debate pretty easily. It was voted down for environmental, quote unquote, concerns. Three commissioners went to Hawthorne to a meeting and sat there. I was convinced that, that, well, the people there at the meeting were convinced that they broke the sunshine because it was not an announced meeting. They went there. They were present at a meeting discussing Plum Creek. Uh, I know that two of them were Hutchison and, of course, the thin-skinned water boy, Cornell. And I think probably Barley may have been at that meeting, but if it wasn't to that particular meeting, he'd been at many meetings. So you have three-fifths of the commission, three-fifths of the commission meddling in the business in a district that's not theirs. Only one of them possibly could have been representing, quote-unquote, that district. But why were the other two there? They were there to kill that project. And I advised uh, those people uh, long before it ever got here uh, that you would be portrayed by the county commission. They would string you along, let you have, an, make, let you think you were having these public meetings and they were really listening. I knew that was bull roar. I knew that from Spring Hill from the meetings before the meetings that took place that killed Spring Hill. Now, Spring Hill was up here 
at the corner of 39th and I-75. And those commissioners had a meeting before the meeting and decided they wouldn't allow that. How many of those commissioners do you believe actually represented, quote unquote, that district? There could only have been one. There could only have been one. So these are bitter memories. These are very bitter memories for people who, for their area of the county, advocate for something that commissioners purportedly from other areas, representing other areas, meddle in. And so where do those commissioners come from? They come from the same ideology. The same ideology, okay? That is the typical driving force in Alachua County, which is basically, it's oversimplified, trees, not roads. And, you know, this is just a couple of examples of bitter memories and frustration that has accumulated because they know when we were doing the, um, developing the, 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 the uh, land in Alachua that was going to be the distribution center, Barley's district is Archer. He came to Alachua with his attack dog, Grabsky, and tried, along with Hutchison, and that whole crowd, and tried, Hutchison did not represent the city of Alachua, and they came there trying to kill the distribution centers, but the distribution centers were inside the city of Alachua, so the city of Alachua had a voice in it, but the county tried to say, yeah, but the roads are ours and we won't let anything go down the roads. It was all sorts of shenanigans that went on there. So that's a third bitter memory. That's just the third one I'm coming up with off the very top of my dome, okay? So you have to understand two points I've made so far. Number one, what are they afraid of? The thin-skinned water boy is lying through his teeth. Now, as far as the county now being obligated to educate, that took action by Tallahassee as well. Because until Tallahassee, with the help of our representatives, became aware of the fact that the county government with public money would actually lobby against the citizens' right to vote. Nobody up there was aware of it. So Tallahassee had to pass a bill, a rule, a law that said thin-skinned water boy Ken Cornell, and he's basically the, the driver of this. Mary Helen Wheeler, Wheeler is out in La La Land, and um, you know the rest of them really are uh, rather goofy. Uh, Chuck really chestnut would not be in power if it were not for single member districts in Gainesville that started off with Rodney Long and single member districts would absolutely guarantee 
that you would have always at least a black representative on the commission. So uh, we'll get to that too in a minute. But, but the deal is now, why are they strenuously resisting it? So now they can't. Now keep your eye on it, though, because with the Minister of Propaganda, Mark Sexton, they will have a way, trust me, to kind of distort the quote-unquote education of the public about what is going on. Already you've seen Cornell do it. Cornell was not an objective professor standing on the sidewalk. He had a bias. It's kind of interesting. That's much what you'll hear from the classrooms over here at the university. You'll hear people like him with a biased point of view, supposedly running an open conversation. So that bill had to be once again, created out of the frustration of people here who just wanted a voice in choosing whether they could have a voice that represented their point of view. So I'm just gonna check, is everybody with me so far? I mean, I hope you understand this. Uh, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't, uh, if you don't get it, you'll have to review it. And only the, you know, if you wanna make the A and the but, you, I'll be asking you test questions about this. Now, the third item here that I want to take up with you, we're covering one, we are, how it got to be uh, put on the ballot by the governor, uh, two, why the people are frustrated, and three, what really is the issue it's been billed as a Republican versus Democrat. Don't believe that for one moment. Nobody, nothing in this bill says a single member district representative must be from either party. There's nothing in that bill. So by that overwhelming fear on their part, and you talking here with a guy who ain't no dummy, it tells you that they are afraid they will lose Democrat control of the county. Or at least have it challenged. Think about this now. Do you understand psychology? Do you understand people? They're telling you what they're afraid of. They are casting this as, a, as an argument between Republican and Democrat when there is nothing in the bill that says thou shalt be from either party. So what it tells you is that they are afraid that they will lose, as Democrats, their grip on the count, which is their issue, their paranoia, which tells you, does it not, how guilty they are in their bones about what they've been doing. They know what they've been doing. They know what they've been doing. They know they have been suppressing the vote. They know they have been controlling the conversation. They know they have stacked a deck charter review. 
They know this. Or they wouldn't be protesting so much. Now, Ken Cornell threw me out of his, well, his attorney did. Well, he told the attorney a, a bunch of, you know, I'm going to go back and revisit that issue someday. But he can't throw me out of this. Now, I don't belong to any particular organization. I'm no longer the chair of the Rural Concerns Advisory Committee. I'm simply a talk show host. So I am presenting to you the issues in a way to help you understand what you won't hear from the public sources. You watch when the county comes out with its quote unquote education piece. It will not even resemble, trust me, what I just said. Won't even bring up probably the points I just said. And as a simple way of understanding this, by the way, the commissioners will draw the districts. Unless I misremember, the commissioners, should this pass, will draw the districts. And the first thing they'll do is draw themselves in. Because there's nothing in the bill that stipulates the shape of the districts. Okay? It just sanctions the concept and implements the concept of that political model. The first thing they commissioners do is protect themselves. So remember all these things. This is just the first time I brought it up in class. I bring it up because it Channel 20 ran it yesterday. And maybe before our break production, we can run the Channel 20 interview one more time and you can compare it to what I just said and see if it helped. Can we do that production? Okay, we're going to run that Channel 20 one more time and you can compare it to what I just said and you can figure out whom you trust. You trust my presentation or do you trust the thin-skinned water boys? And then after we run that, we'll go straight into our bottom of the hour break and we'll be right back. Hearing from residents of Alachua County, now that Governor DeSantis has signed the bill that could change how county commissioners are elected, TV 20's Jordan Markoff explains why this could bring major changes. For as long as most Alachua County residents can remember, they've always voted for all five county commissioners, but that could change. This November, they can vote for or against creating single member districts. If they vote for it, residents will only be able to vote for a candidate who lives in their district. One woman who lives in East Gainesville says she thinks single member districts would better address the issues her community faces. We need some grocery stores out here. We need more housing, everything like that. 
A few months ago, county commissioners went to Tallahassee to lobby against this bill, saying it's not what the people want. I anticipate and hope that most voters will go ahead and vote no and tell Tallahassee to let Alachua County govern Alachua County. Bill sponsor, State Representative Chuck Clemens, says he fought to get this on the ballot so the decision could be up to the people. Would you ever, you know, be interested in taking that kind of action for people in Dixie or Gilchrist County? Absolutely, of course I would, but not one particular soul, not one voter, not one citizen in those two counties have even raised the specter of the same type of issue. Despite county commissioners lobbying against this bill, now that it's law, they're going to have to educate the public on this ballot item without being partial. Alachua County residents can vote on this ballot item in the November 8th election. Reporting in Gainesville, Jordan Markoff, TV 20 News. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Uh, warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, good morning, good morning. We're back in Professor Warthog's man cave here. And uh, I was just talking with production over the break. We're going to take that half hour. when I say we, I mean production, and my, my buddy is really great at this. And we will package that up 
and uh, make it an MP4. We'll put it out on Vimeo, and uh, we will. The link will be there for you to replay or to share, because there's a lot of problems with helping the public understand this. And my uh, good friend in production and I were talking about it at the break. Uh, people are busy and don't understand the issue, and uh, a lot of them don't care about the issue and um, the other things are worrying them like gas prices and things like that. Um, the, um, the, there's so much misrepresentation of what is so that I am aware of. It's one of the things that drives me back to this platform here in the Word Scott Files. Let's just take, for example, the gas tax, so-called gas tax holiday. And uh, the head of public works here was interviewed yesterday. I don't have that interview ready to show you um, who said, no, we're not going to take a gas tax, local gas tax holiday. And he says, because we take care of the roads out of the gas tax. Okay. That's what the gentleman said. And the gentleman knows better. Okay. Now this is what always gets me about, politicians. They know better generally, but they don't want to let you know everything. They only want to let you know that which serves their interest. Now, granted, the gentleman who's head of the public works is not a politician in that you don't vote for him, but he's hired and fired by the county manager, Michelle Lieberman, who is hired and fired by the commission. You get the picture. Do you understand me? Okay. So this gentleman, when asked about whether or not Alachua County would do a gas tax holiday, uh, he said, no, don't plan to because we take care of the roads. Well, let me tell you where your gas tax money is going. And if you want to call this taking care of the roads, it's something he did not bring up. He brought up fixing potholes and things like that. But you have to remember, and this is related to single member districts, as chair of the Rural Concerns Advisory Committee, there were people who came to me from the public, not to the county commission, but asked to be uh, listened to by me on the advisory committee, who were from the countryside, who were complaining about all the trash along the roads. And it's really bad often in the countryside, people riding down, it's incredible really, riding down the road, just hurl the Dixie cup out the window. And so it was ladies, it was two, two or three ladies came to my attention, came to the guy, invited them, and they wanted to know um, how come this trash had become more significant in the last few months and obviously visible and disturbing to them. So I called in the head of public works. Now, the head of public works was a different gentleman then. Uh, the head of public works then was an interim. Uh, and that's another story about how this county works. But anyway, he came in and I asked him to answer these ladies' questions. And he rather sheepishly said, well, the reason the roads are in the condition they're in is because the inmates no longer maintain them for us. 
There was abject silence in the room for a moment. The inmates, yeah, come to think of it, we used to see them by the side of the road, uh, mowing. And, and by the way, the inmates sought that duty because it got them out of the work camp where you sit and play dominoes all day. Got them out and got them exercising. Nobody out there with a shotgun. Nobody out there with a whip. Nobody out there in leg irons. You know, this is not cool hand, Luke. So by golly, everybody's looked around the room at each other. Come to think of it, there are no inmates taking care of the roads. How come? Well, I'll tell you how come. The ideologically driven county commissioners, Captain Planet Robert Carl Marx Hutch Hutchison, led this discussion. He does not. His district is not the entire county. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? What part of it do you not understand? He, along with his other ideological buddies, I think at that time it was Byerly, and, and of course, Thin Skin Water Boy, always went on the side where he thought he could get the most support. So no doubt he was drawn into it. And here we go. They voted for aesthetic reasons to stop inmate labor taking care of the roads. Because they, the three of them, might have been four, I don't know. I have to go back and check the vote. They decided on their own without any consulting of the public, oh, geez, it's a bad image for us to have inmates in Alachua County. After all, we're the county of Alachua, open this and that and one thing and another. And we're the greatest shining city on the hill and the greatest county in the universe. And we just can't have that visual when people come into Alachua County. So no more uh, inmates cleaning the roads. So the question then was, well, who the heck is clean? Well, when they get cleaned, which is not as often as effectively as they were cleaned by the inmates because the inmates picked up trash and then mowed and the county mows and leaves the trash. I think we've complained about that recently and maybe that's changed. But who now takes care of the roads? County employees, my friends, at a minimum of $15 an hour and we're gonna have to build in inflation, of course, and cost of living and all that jazz and retirement and all this stuff medical care for county employees to go out and do what the inmates used to do as part of their restitution, if you will, their community service. We now pay. And guess where the money comes from? Where do you think it comes from? The gas tax. So the money that would have gone as this current public works director says, to fixing potholes has been diminished, depleted by money going to cut the grass. And you didn't know it. I guarantee you didn't know it. Because you live in the city. But if you live where I live, and where these ladies live, 
Get in your buggy and drive around the county sometime. Drive down Old Bellamy Road. Drive around the county. This is something that is just one small, small indication, example of what I'm talking about. The thin-skinned water boy lives out at Lake Melrose in a big spread out there. By the way, he lived next door to Carly Simon, and he came to the school board to vouch for Carly Simon, who did all the closings through Balsart. I wonder how that worked. You know, it, you know, it's just really, when you get around politics, I'm talking to my buddies, we don't have any statesmen anymore. We don't have any really dignified people. Once upon a time, we had Sid Martin, we had E.T. York. They're gone. They're gone. So I just wanted to put that in there for you a little bit so you'll understand how people think about the county commission. Now, I want to transition because it's a logical place to transition to, to DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis. There has been a poll conducted um, comparing him to Trump. And there's been a large electability and ability to lead the nation. And he beats Trump. There's a long, long article in The New Yorker. And The New Yorker is a liberal rag. It's a good magazine. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's a, it's a uh, good magazine. But there's a long, long article in The New Yorker, a liberal about DeSantis. Now, that tells you something. And I'm going to just give you the condensed version. But the question is, and it's written by Dexter Filkins, can Ron DeSantis displace Donald Trump? as the GOP's, um, they had to put this in, combatant in chief, combatant in chief. Well, this is a pretty darn interesting long article. It's a 10,000 word uh, article. That's pretty good. That's more than I had to write in detention hall. I had to write in 500 words or fewer. Why I wouldn't dip Sally's pigtail in the inkwell? Um, and chew gum in class and stuff like that. Uh, but he has become DeSantis. He's from Dunedin. Has become so popular with the GOP that in a few polls, he comes out ahead of Trump in the race for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. And well, some of the characteristics of DeSantis that Filkins, who is the author of this article in The New Yorker, reveals about DeSantis is that he has a photographic memory, that he's able to hold in-depth conversations about medical research with epidemiologists. Um, he has contempt for uh, total disregard for public opinion and the press. And I can tell you right now, that's very healthy. If you're going to be swung around and 
uh, by public opinion and the press, you're in the wrong business, buddy. Um, so uh, Trump, of course, and according to the New Yorker article, uh, says that uh, uh, has tried to take credit for DeSantis's win. But I think the reason DeSantis won is because Gillum shot himself in the foot by being caught face down in his own vomit without any clothes on in the no-tell motel room with his boy toy in South Miami. Had that, and there was a picture of that, and that picture made it out to the public. And by the way, you can't put that picture out on any of the platforms, they'll take it down, any of the millennial platforms. But it was, it made it out to the public. And that is what cost Gillum the governorship and put DeSantis in. That's how goofy voters are. That's how uninformed voters are. They own, those voters who voted for, for Gillum, just voting strictly, strictly because, oh my God, it's time we had a black governor. That's all it was. That was as deep as they could think. And we knew at that time, and the Ward Scott Files knew, and we were involved in the research, that there was all sorts of scandalous behavior that Gillum was involved in in Tallahassee. So it still probably wouldn't have made a difference until he was face down in the no-tell motel. Now, I got to remind you, our local sheriff at the time, <clears throat> Sheriff Darnell, endorsed DeSantis. Are you ready for that? Endorsed DeSantis. And the story I get is that he, she thought she'd get a favor out of that and be some big shot in Tallahassee. Have a political plum. So I don't think Trump got DeSantis in. I think Gillum got DeSantis in. And now that he's in, you can see what he is. So much so that the New Yorker has written a 10,000 word essay on him, which yours truly is going to read every single word of. Now, the issue is whether, and this is something I think you'll see the Democrats try to exploit. The Democrats are going to try to say that DeSantis and Trump have uh, a, a, a relationship that's full of resentment. And they'll try to tie DeSantis to Trump and try to make DeSantis out to be uh, vilified DeSantis as a vilified Trump. They'll try to get two for one. So uh, there's a world of difference. DeSantis has a degree, a law degree from Harvard, also went to Yale. He's very articulate. He's very quick. 
He knows what he stands for. He doesn't compromise. He's disgusted with Washington. He is on the side of the working class of Florida, which they will try to turn into a race card. Trust me, the Democrats will try to turn that into a race card by saying DeSantis represents whites and all that which they try to pin on Trump, of course, and they'll try to say that DeSantis represents the angry people. So I'm going to review the entire work. Uh, haven't had time to review it yet, but I wanted to give you a summation of it. Because there are some remarkable things going on that I want to call your attention to if you're not familiar. People have asked me a couple of questions over the years that I've been doing this. Did I think Hillary Clinton would ever be brought to justice? And my answer is no. She'll never be brought to justice. And um, do I think there was something going on? I have to be careful how I say this, you know, in the presidential election. And my answer is, well, what do you think? Well, now the Texas Republican Party, just this weekend, has adopted a platform that totally and completely, without equivocation, uh, rejects the results of the 2020 election. Um, and I got to say this in a way that these little children's algorithms and the millennials don't, you know, jump on me. I mean, I'm sourcing it. It is out of the Washington Examiner. It's out of AP. It's all over the news. It's not my opinion. I'm just reporting the news to you. Um, this is a rejection by Texas GOP of the results of that election. And uh, they have uh, a 40-page document that um, they've created to explain why they say that and what is the path going forward. And we'll see how this works. Um, they use the beep word. Um, they're not subject to the same censorship that I am. So uh, they say that party officials take the position that that election was beep. And, and um, they, they uh, think it was substantial and that it significantly affected the outcome. Millennials, hear me. I'm reporting what Texas thinks, okay? Um, so the um, rebuttal to that, of course, is, well, there's no evidence. But now there has been an adjective added to this. There's no evidence of substantial beep. They've added, the critics of this narrative have added the word substantial. So now they begrudgingly have admitted, yes, there was beep, but it wasn't substantial. Okay? Well, 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 well. How long will it take to get to the bottom of it? As a, as a professor who studies and takes the long view of history and culture, 
I would say at a minimum 50 years. In about 50 years, and yours truly won't be around, researchers will be able to give you the real story. Why do I say 50 years? It will take that long for those involved in this situation to die. And then you'll have the problem you have with slavery. And that you have to watch it still in that the research isn't twisted around to some narrative that is fashionable. Because we know that uh, nobody in today's society was a slave or owned a slave or was there when it was slave. So it's, it's a free-for-all, which with, you know, whose narrative is the one you want to believe. So I think this is pretty interesting. Uh, we're going to take the um, uh, first half hour of the show. We'll link it, put it out on Vimeo, and uh, you'll be able to... Uh, pass it along to whomever you want to that you think would benefit from Professor Warthog's tutorial. And I'll probably do, as, as that's this um, issue um, gets closer to being, because the memory retention of people is very short. First of all, they don't pay attention. And when you do get their attention, it's only for a moment. And that which they get the attention of, they don't remember. So that's what, this, that, that's the bulk of the people. And, and so you have to keep, you know, you have to do it at least three times. The first time, and this is the way mail-outs work in politics. The first time, uh, they don't read it. The second time, they wonder if they haven't seen it before. Both the first two times, they throw the mail-out away. And the third time, they say, I, I got to look at this. Didn't I throw this out? And so the third time, they look at it. That's why mail-outs are so expensive and why it takes three times. Because the first two times, human beings don't pay attention. And the third time, they may actually look. And you got a time when you send that out because once they do read the mail-out, it's not too long that they can retain it. They'll get it screwed up pretty quickly. So that, that's, that's the way we are as human beings. That's the way it works, my friends. Hey, have a great day. Tomorrow we'll be broadcasting from our podcast studio. We'll be featuring, featuring Dance Alive National Ballet with one of our beautiful, beautiful ballerinas. Uh, have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.